Welcome to the Clues Chronicle. This is issue 12. Today we'll be discussing 9-11 because it's the 15th anniversary of that crazy hoax and the 7th anniversary of the Vixen Report, the document we released questioning the supposed victims of 9-11. And we're also talking about the Titanic and the possibility that the Titanic was a big hoax. We may discuss some evidence for that. We also have some special guests. Researchers that have joined Clues Forum, and they volunteered to jump on and speak with us. Our first researcher is Farce Value. Welcome, Farce Value. Hi, all. And it's a pleasure second. to be on the call. Sorry. Thank, oh, well, that's thank you. Right. No, that's good. Yeah, a little bit more there. And our next researcher is Prescient Richard. Hi, thanks. Welcome. Welcome. Um, I guess we'll just start by asking you folks a couple questions, if you don't mind. I usually ask, how did you choose your name? Or why did you choose the name that you have for your your handle for researching? Farce value. I kind of have a uh, perverse penchant for puns. My name is just adding a letter to face value, accepting things at face value. And uh, once I kind of got to where I am in terms of what we're presented by the media, I accept them as farce value now. I love that, actually. That is... (laughs) It's really funny. I was wondering where you got that from. The expectation that we're supposed to be looking at the news at face value, but turning that on its head, that's really good. I'm assuming you choose anonymity somewhat. Yeah, and what level you do and why, I guess, would be the next questions. When I first started looking into this, I I was sort of uh, paranoid about the powers. We're going to all end up in FEMA camps, sort of thing. And I don't worry about that anymore. They're probably using us as some sort of focus group. But it's more like related to work and I guess somebody were to somehow stumble across the stuff that I'm involved with on a professional level, it could maybe compromise my ability to relate with them in a normal way, I guess. I totally get that. I respect that. Prescient, um, why do you have your name as like a, I don't know, like I associate that name with a seer or a psychic or something? In the UK, we pronounce it prescient, which is a knowledge of future events. And why did you choose it for your handle? You can have a look on the Clues Forum for for the intro that I wrote. Uh, so basically, uh, on the, uh, the day of question, 15 years ago that would be, I was uh, in Copenhagen at the time, and I was walking down the, the main street, in, uh, it's called Stroat. I was shopping with an ex-girlfriend and we start to get calls. Oh, you must go and watch the TV. So we actually found one of the large, it's a large TV shop on Stroat. I don't know if it's still there. It was called Phoner at the time. And it was quite interesting just to be stood outside watching all these people sat down, like sat on the floor of the shop where every single TV was showing the Twin Towers and this uh, Hollywood type production going on. I'm getting get back to the question. The reason I chose the name Prescient is because I didn't realize that me looking at them watching the TV would actually be what it was more about. You see what I mean? It's almost like how first value just said they probably they're probably watching us like uh, as a as one watches a study group or something. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I didn't realise it, but of course, uh, Simon and yourself showed me exactly what we saw that day, and, and uh, I didn't realise it, but me looking at them, looking at the TV, was actually what was going to happen. Have you had a chance to engage people further and, you know, maybe tap them on the shoulder and say, excuse me, you know, are you aware of what you're watching? It's, um, I, 
I mean, I, I talk to some people. I, I, some people get it. You know, the, there are colleagues at work um, who, unfortunately, I think a lot of people don't want to know. It, it's almost like this they don't want to open pandora's box and and often the reaction that i get if i talk to people which isn't so often these days you know i, I wouldn't say i've given up totally but you know it's you, you've got to be really careful who you sort of spend your time on if you like and hmm. um, but the, but the reaction i've often got is well what can i do about it hmm that that's 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 the kind of the reaction and well I, I, or another reaction i just go to my job and i just feed my kids you see what i mean they don't they're not going further than that and i, I think that it's it's very very few people who, who who can actually see life outside the goldfish bowl i i think you've talked about it hoy in the forum you've talked about this kind of sensitive people i've forgotten what was the expression you used for them Hmm, maybe stoic, I'm not sure. Hmm, I don't know, yeah, we've we've speculated on it often. Um, you know, even on even in the Clues Chronicle, everyone we interview seems to have a different idea of what is this quality that people have that allows them to not only question authority at a young age, but have it awaken them to a kind of level, a new level of understanding in their adult self. And... Yeah, I go. It, it's still a mystery. That's why I ask. Uh, that's why I ask. First value. Do you think there's a quality that you have that had you question things early or now, or how that occurred for you? I'm not sure. There were there were some things that I was questioning early. I am thinking about this movie. What the bleep do we know? Have, have you ever seen that? It's... Yeah, I've seen parts of it. Is that the one that plays in random order in a DVD player? I'm not sure. It's sort of a kind of a new agey type of and there but there's a bunch of i guess they're sort of physicist type people that talk about you know this this idea i I think at some point people adopted quantum for um you know imagine the power of the mind yeah kind of (laughs) exactly (laughs) but there was one thing that kind of stuck with me about that movie and one of the guys was relating about natives in like south america when columbus or some of the ships were coming across and he, he was saying and I don't know how this is accounted for and what the veracity of it is, but that the like a lot of the villagers couldn't see the ships. The shaman had to go out and look at the sea, and, and he could see them for some reason. He had expanded consciousness, but the other people, they had no context. It was just like there was the horizon, the sea, and the sky, and that was all there ever was, and they didn't have the capacity to recognize something so alien as like the ship you know frigate or whatever sailing across the sea and they just it wouldn't register on their vision and but somehow he could the shaman could communicate it to them and like after a while they could see them like at this point it's just so second nature to me like the things that i look at i understand is reality and it's not really surprising or traumatizing i guess as it was in the beginning and and alarming actually when i first realized kind of what was going on i was like holy cow this noose is going to close around us any second we got to do something <laughs> right away okay maybe i'm a bit paranoid but i still have the feeling that they would they would have us in the matrix or they would have us voting for politicians that beyond the fact that they don't even make a difference are not even perhaps real or they're like computer animated if they could have us do that it seems they would and that concerns me well i yeah i've kind of given up on that too i mean i sort of i guess the the whole 911 and everything and researching there's there's a lot of different 
avenues that I've been down and it, it's kind of, I've just started trying to get as close as I can to making things uh, fit uh, logic and consistency, I guess, and connection to reality and whatnot. So like the idea of, uh, of any type of government type of institution generally works on the idea that it's, it's going to invert principles for some group of people. So it, it's by definition going to be inconsistent and it's going to put some people in charge of making certain decisions other people can't make. And so how do you square that with like, well, what, how do they get that power or whatnot? I've talked to Kay a little bit about this and as far as approaching people and part of the maintaining this professional distance from this stuff is that I feel like the whole culture that we live in here, especially lately with this obsession with politics and everything, it's another type of religion. Because by my definition, and a lot of the people I know that are uh, ironically obsessed with politics are very critical of religion and they don't recognize themselves as participating in a different type of religion because it's anti-rational. It has no foundation in objective rationality and consistency, which is kind of what, what would be their criticism of religions. So, In other words, would... politics itself or the belief in the state as some kind of force for good is itself a religion? Yes, it's, a, it's based on similar principles that people that are very state-centric would be critical of, about where other religions are concerned. And you know, you know, a lot of people say, for example, in, in the U.S. on the on the left, they're they're critical of the right because they they will call them I don't know ho holy rollers or fundamentalists or something because the right's typically connected to religion, and so they think that's uh, the irrationality of it, the craziness of religion. But then at the same time, when you look at the way the state functions, there's no real objective standard, no rule that can't be violated and overturned, and Right at a high yeah. enough level, you yeah you run into those that that level of corruption where yeah it is it's like a kind of a protected class or a priesthood of politicians that it doesn't matter what they do. I I tend to think of it more maybe this is a bit bleak. The only thing I can think it is is a huge open prism. Why well, that's not bleak at all? What are you what are bleak? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm, I'm talking. I'm talking probably about. I'm talking about the world. We are right. We can't get oh, off it. This is right. almost a religious talk in and of itself, and you know that's not bad. This is. It's, it's about a worldview, and yeah, that that's a perfectly valid worldview. That this is a kind of a prison. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, the majority of the population is kind of institutionalized. And and people who want to escape this, you know, <laughs> it's going to be a lonely path, I think. The thing that I'm responding to personally, uh, when I hear farce values say that, you know, we, we must maintain a kind of a healthy distance from getting too involved in it. And then at the same time, I also hear prescient saying that there's this belief that we're in a, a kind of a trap of our own making. I think, well, let's break the trap. If we made it, you know, yes, some healthy distance is good, but then also approaching it and then coming back to your healthy distance to, you know, reanalyze. But I'm definitely interested in continuing to push it forward and trying to make a, a more peaceful, more egalitarian world. Maybe that's not possible, but I think that there's enough people believing in it that 
it does change things. I, I believe we will get there. But first we have to stop the abuse. And the abuse is the emotional manipulation from the media and the government. I think that's number one. It's like in any, in any healthy society, you're not going to get better unless the abuse stops first. That's, that's my goal, that people understand they're being emotionally abused and realize they don't have to be. And they can make better decisions when they free themselves up from that emotional abuse from the state and media. Well said. That one was a happy one, too, I guess, right? <laughs> it is. It's, you know, it's gloomy and it's happy. And I think that's when that's also when Farce Value mentions that people kind of have an allergy to this. And it's probably because it's a bit gloomy. And yet, well, I'm just, as Prasine said, we're just trying to feed our family we can't really go into this. And I think maybe when we distance ourselves from it too much, then we're also a little bit failing to make it approachable and make it something that we can openly talk about without hushed talks of conspiracy and, you know, things like that. We we ourselves shove it into a corner. We banish it because it's shunned in our society. And I think that if we tried to talk about it more, not pushing people to it, you know, but when people show curiosity, give them, give them a little of our, of our perspective. I think that it will change things. I, I hope it will. Well, I like to look at it more in terms of walking into the light and leaving all the darkness of the, whatever you want to refer to as conspiracy and the apparatus of the state and, and the fakery and the manipulation that they employ to keep everybody buying into that system, escaping in whatever level that I've been able to, to do for myself, you know, basking in the light of, of knowing that I don't have to buy into that stuff. And then I'm just sort of maybe waiting for others to come join me in the light, hmm. maybe beckoning to them gently and, you know, I kind of look at it that way as like, you know, I'm just going to go over here and enjoy the light and maybe other people will be here before long because I'm, I'm not going to go try to get involved in, in changing the darkness, you know. And that, that's a, it's sort of a sense of sadness that I have for a lot of these people and, and like you, you say, they have an allergy and they don't want to approach it. And, and I, I've come to understand that and I think a lot of maybe people have a an in intuitive sense about you know maybe it's like jenga or something they pull on one of those one of those sticks and their whole version of what they know is reality might come crashing down and i'm i can see how that would be frightening but at the same time it does give you the opportunity to rebuild a reality that's based on you and your experience and people that are close to you and and it's not filled with ideas that have been put there by people you don't know to serve them so you have a much more authentic life and an opportunity to, to connect with the real world for the time that you have to spend here. That's so true, right? Authentic life. And I notice with a lot of people, one of the easiest ways to connect is when they talk about the media, I'll just go, yeah, that is so sad. That is, I, you know, I really wish the media would focus on awesome things that are pe that people are doing instead of destruction all the time. That's why I choose not to listen to it anymore. I'm tired of all the sadness. But I mean, that is part of the reason, but not all of it. But most people agree with me. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I don't know. Is it good to 
to encourage people to check out? It's hard to say. I think that the gentle coaxing is, is approached lots of different ways. And I don't think it's like, come join our cult. It's more like, hey, you can free yourself if you'd like. This is an invitation to believe what you want to believe and pursue your highest values. I think, uh, you know, more so, some people are kind of more open than others. What I've noticed is that it tends to be more expats and, and people who've travelled, who, who seem to be anyone who's sort of lived outside their own particular goldfish bowl or, you know, somewhere where they grew up or somewhere where they've been heavily propagandised uh, to and they've escaped that and then they can see outside of that because that's kind of what's happened to me. I've traveled quite a bit. Simon is also kind of an expat being Norwegian and yet living in Italy. So yes, having that completely different national experience within a different nation is one way of putting it, I guess. That will definitely change your your paradigm. You 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 are just an outsider perpetually because you have this different understanding that other people might not ever leave so yeah i guess the old axiom travel is good for you <laughs> completely right but it, it, it's more i, I would uh, look at it more like the deconstruction so you need to de deconstruct these things that uh, you think are you in other words you, you think you are an american you think you are hmm. a brit you, you think you are these kind of these things it, it's not you <laughs> i'll tell you that now because it, it just isn't you think it's you you just happen to have been born there. That's all. It's not, you are not these things. And I think the only way we can move forward is, is to get away from this, uh, these kind of identities and this uh, patriotism and sort of national identity that a lot of people have. I think we're ready to go. Our guests are locked and loaded. We'll play some music from Simon's newest album, Songs in Vacuum, and get back to the show. You've got to rise, rise to the occasion. Thank you. 
vacation looking at the titanic thread at clues forum the link will be in our show notes and all the references as usual tell you to basically go to the topic at clues forum and take a look for yourself and hopefully research whatever compels you to find out you know what you think is going on i started this thread september 28th 2011 and I was researching 9-11, actually, and I remember this really weird site that was a kind of, I'm going to talk about conspiracy theories and how stupid they are at length. And it was my first inkling that there were actually sites out there which were that suspicious. Um, This was, I think, even before I had really started suspecting major problems with 9-11 in 2007. So... It, it said something like, if you believe 9-11 was an inside job in any fashion, you're nuts, and you probably think the Titanic disaster never happened. In trying to discredit the belief that the Titanic disaster didn't happen, as we're told, they actually presented a conspiracy theory that they were like burning, effigy style. And this conspiracy theory was fascinating. It was actually the notion that the whole thing had been a book beforehand, just like nuclear weapons and just like terroristic situations written in fiction before Al-Qaeda started haunting our media stations full-time. And it was called The Titan, I uh, now being 2011, had started thinking, well, wait a minute, maybe the Titanic didn't happen and maybe they're always tying all their hoaxes together. Can we just question this? I like how... Um... He went ahead and got you into another conspiracy when his his whole idea was to get you off of the one. Yeah, I think that's often their issue or or their their problem is they have to, as gatekeepers, (laughs) these people have to appear as if they're addressing things more deeply than other people would ever want to address them. And they're taking the very calculated risk that, yeah, indeed, most people will not look that far into it. And someone discrediting and giving all sorts of bad names to something is good enough to throw people off. Because, oh, I don't want to be called that. I don't want to be called crazy. So I'm not even going to look into it as far as they have. Anyway, Nono Capito writes, It's funny how I was discussing this with a friend just the other night. He had finished reading a book about it and informing himself on the internet. He exposed me to this titanic conspiracy theory here's this is the uh, a conspiracy theory that he was exposed to the titanic had a twin ship that had been wrecked and roughly patched but couldn't really sail anymore 
Insurance companies would not pay for that wreck, so they disguised it as the Titanic that was still allowed to cross the Atlantic and sent it on purpose against an iceberg, counting on many other ships around that part of the ocean to save all the passengers. Then something went wrong, the ship was sinking too fast, people could not be evacuated, etc., etc. So it all happened, but it was planned, and then something went wrong. Sasha replies, I think you're thinking of this one, and gives us the HenryMacau.com theory. This has to do with the Titanic's sister ship, the Olympic, is the one that was sunk. But weren't there three ships? Exactly. Later in the thread, we learn... So what's the Titanic, Olympic, and Britannic? In research, it's really hard to find those three names together. You can find it on the Wikipedia page about the Olympic-class ocean liner, of which there were these three. So the Britannic sank, supposedly after hitting a German mine during World War I. It is very much tied in with, as we know, the kind of war propaganda that was going on during the first great war and then world war ii i wonder if it couldn't have been a test of credulity you know or even a continuation of the relationship between germany and anglo powers i haven't looked at this thread um i'm sorry to say all, all the way through is there anything in the thread that uh posits some relation to the federal reserve and some influential banker type people that were aboard that could have been targeted that was a, a theory I'd heard once upon a time somewhere. Yes, actually, in the post on September 29th by Nono Capito, he writes about 15 years after the sinking of the Titanic in Kafka's America, the trip across the Atlantic is in fact a lament on the horrors of the coal furnace in the belly of the gigantic ship. And he comments, I really have to reread that book. I've always been a great admirer of Kafka, but now i got to wonder if he or rather Max Broad, who was responsible for having the books published, had in fact any hidden agenda, be it for his socialism or his alleged crypto-Zionism. The power of literature in those years was very significant, and it is undeniable that Kafka's books participated, like few others, to the definition of the self-hate and the malaise of the so-called Western world. Still today, it is enough to mention the word Kafka to immediately evoke a sense of oppression and failure on, quote, our, unquote, entire society, not a secondary accomplishment. As to the coal story, I think the insurance scam and the engine conversion scam can overlap here, in the sense that an industrialist anxious to convert the engines of his fleet could use insurance money to pay for new ships with modern engines. This is a comment on Corsarino's comment that there's a Federal Reserve theory, and... So yes, there is some speculation about insurance and the Federal Reserve and a way to unite empires. Yes, the way that I heard it, quoting from memory, is that there was some Astor or Morgan-type person of influence that was a holdout in implementing the Federal Reserve, and they had invited all the bankers on this maiden voyage or whatever, this the grand opening, if you will, and uh, everybody... It was in on the in on the scam. Somehow didn't make it. Uh, they missed the bus, except for the holdout guy that went down with the ship. I mean, that kind of uh, sounds to me as though it would be a great scam to have a bunch of bankers on board, actually, with one another. And perpetuating a lie together would absolutely be a thing that would kind of, through fear and thrill, uh, unite a group. Maybe that one guy didn't even go. 
And in any case, I do buy the idea that it could have been a ruse. It's interesting, though, the idea that they would just kill off one of their own that's not cooperating or something like that. But to use an enormous uh, ocean liner with kind of a strange propaganda-style documentation on the ship as a way of doing that, I don't know. Because right here on page one, people are looking at the evidence and going, hmm, these black and white photos are, yeah, just like old photos that have been touched up in old-fashioned ways, these might have been as well. They even have a supposed picture, a photograph, of the iceberg that the Titanic struck. You know, just to so they can circulate it and tell people, you know, here it is, here's the villain. But that's not really where you're, you're going with this, though, right? Well, I don't know. I mean, my <laughs> my whole point is it's up for question, and it's very odd. Um, the, the fact that there are so many... <laughs> conspiracy theories that most people haven't even heard about the Titanic, to me, parallels 9-11 in that if you ask people, was 9-11 a big conspiracy, they they can name probably a couple things that we've already gone, oh no, no, that's just placed there in order to make people think that conspiracy theories are stupid. Yes, yeah, so, so the idea, all of the elements are they're conceived in, in the same committee, I guess, and they're seated with the main story in conjunction. Yeah, or like dropped throughout history as people have asked questions just to, you know, perpetuate it. Because I'm sure that when they come up with something as crazy as a big story like this, there's going to be holes. There's going to be holes in the story. So if it were a large lie, if the Titanic never sank or never even sailed, then as people found holes they would patch it up with incredible, unbelievable conspiracy theories just so that, you know, your mind would default back to, oh, no, okay, the Titanic probably sank and was real because I can't entertain this absurd thing that was placed there for me to digest. Because that's exactly what we've seen happen with so many hoaxes these days. So the idea is, has this been going on longer than 9-11, you know? And how far back, how far back can we see this pattern happening? Does it go back to the, you know, very early 1900s? Are you familiar with Joe Atwill? Have you listened to any of his interviews with Jan Urban? Uh, I think he has a book devoted to this, but the idea that the, you know, the Bible, when you say the Bible, you're really only talking about that one, uh, was actually written by the Romans. And it's, he uses this word, it's not archetype but it's uh something similar there's a lot of it's it's a sort of a, a mythological literary device that they employed to keep your enemies closer type of strategy i guess and so he cites a lot of the i guess what you could call evidence that he's, he's used to come to that conclusion so if you look at that as uh the idea of something that people accept is having some source or whatever history yeah, some validity it's it, it goes yeah, back it, quite a ways <laughs> it's it's completely different than what people think it is right so if there's any truth to his story it could have started as early as then yeah i think yeah, this kind I, of thing I, has I, been going on i'd like to chime in there if somebody asked how long is this um these hopes has been going on for this thing has been going on for thousands of years hasn't it let's be honest about this yeah i mean as long as i'm I've lived on this world, I've only ever lived in civilizations that are like sun-worshipping, crypto-scientific, crypto-masonic, crypto-European, crypto-Anglo, pseudo-nations. 
I've traveled a lot and yet I keep running into the same kind of culture. So I can only think that it's connected to those things. And how long has this been around? Well, it goes back to at least Greek civilization and it goes back to probably before that too. So that's already thousands of years of the same thing happening. This is very off topic, but I've just started really trying to get my arms around this idea of a nation or a country lately. And just the idea that whoever we want to call them, the founding fathers, Jefferson, some people long dead that I have no idea, have no really relationship to these people, wrote some things down on a piece of paper in some probably fairly aristocratic locale and they probably had pretty nice digs back then, all these guys, and they're sitting on a, a piece of property, their estate in, in this huge continent that's inhabited by all these people that I don't have any idea or connection to them whatsoever. I have no idea who they are. And they're like, okay, we're going to start a country. And I'm writing down all this stuff. Here, go pass these out. And uh, okay, this is ours. And we're going to tell everybody what to do from now on forever. Because we wrote yeah. down all this stuff. It's It's insane, really, if you think about it. I can't see. I can't see it any other way. It's yeah, like, it I really mean, I, is. why don't we do it? Why don't we just pick a really nice, fancy hotel and somewhere, and we'll sit down across the table and we'll write a whole new set of rules and pass them out, and they're like, "Okay, we're the guys now." Well, that's funny that you say that because <laughs> I have actually thought about that. I thought about, well, why don't we just write our own bloody constitution <laughs> and then just see how it goes? And you know, the experiment isn't how far will it go because obviously it won't go anywhere. But the experiment is to see what are the social things that we immediately run into. And by documenting those, we'll know the kind of social things that they didn't have to worry about, that they managed to supersede or somehow dominate over. And one of them that comes to mind right away in my mind is they had a, a huge free workforce. And it was from slavery, which was uh, imposed through violence and, and things like that. So right away, right off the bat, you've got a free workforce that you've like captured and you're using to build up the country and then you don't even acknowledge that they're humans so we're not going to start a country that way so it's interesting and if you go back to you know the foundation of most nations i think you'll end up with something pretty weird well i would tie this back to the titanic and say that things like this that everybody it kind of accepts as their shared history it sort of binds them together under this umbrella of the country or whatever you want to call it. That's probably what makes these things important in the eyes of the the people that create them and disseminate them. That, that's actually very, um, I guess, prescient with <laughs> uh, the next post by Nono Capito, because he basically says, just speculating, even though he understands that it's unsafe terrain, but he says maybe about the starting of a new age, you know, the age of America versus the age of Britain, as far as like how these national stories get made and things. He says, the race of the Titans fought against the race of the Olympians and the Olympians won. And it was the end of the so-called Golden Age. Now, the Olympic is the only ship of the three that survived. The Olympians, Zeus and company were 13, if one counts also Hades, who ruled the underworld. But more interestingly, perhaps, the Greeks identified a god named Titan, or Hyperion, with the sun, and he rode the skies in his chariot carrying light. Across the centuries, Titan merged with, this name you should be familiar to anyone familiar with the space and Apollo hoaxes, Apollo. He says, these things mean little to me, although they're very fascinating, but maybe they mean a great deal to them, you know, Luciferians, or people 
who have some belief about themselves and maybe particularly belief about themselves as myth makers and people who like force religious beliefs on the rest of the world. I'm curious about the idea of force, like the, uh, the Inquisition is what comes to mind, right? Yeah, maybe force is not the right word. It's more like uh, tricked people into thinking, you know, by giving them facts that aren't real uh, or that have been invented or scripted, and then introducing other events which trigger certain thoughts based on those false beliefs so that people come to believe, oh, I came to that idea naturally. Uh, even when it's as blatant as on 9-11, them transitioning from no plane to missile to small plane to 737 to 757 to, you know, maybe it was Osama bin Laden, all in the same, you know, day within minutes. They had like piled that up, but they made people believe that they had come up with it themselves. And that's what I mean by force. It's not exactly forced because you can always reject all of those ideas, but psychologically shoved at us. Those who control the past control the future. Isn't that the way they look at things? And isn't that the way... Um, I mean, I wanted to ask Kay about this, actually. So that I understand she's a teacher. Um, so say, for example, she has to teach the official account of 9-11. I'd, I'd love to know how this is going to sit with her. And also, if she has to teach stuff that we know is lies. Thank God, Kay's a math teacher. So I don't have to teach lies. <laughs> but maths, you, you're, you're teaching them numbers, which is even worse. <laughs> well, right. well, numbers are just agreements, right? Aren't they? They're just, I agree that this many things is this many things. Do you agree? Okay. Right. So it's a st- math is the study of patterns. So if you really want to be good at, you know, picking out these hoaxes and finding their patterns, be a mathematician. Because numbers, we just use numbers because it's the easiest pattern to dissect but really that's all that math means okay but how how do you get how do you get on presumably at your school there are teachers teaching history or the falsification of history so presumably they're covering uh, events like the titanic and 9-11 i've heard a lady do it before it was about um the one who uh roosevelt right he was in the wheelchair who's the one was it truman but well anyway she was teaching it and she read the list of events like a question and then kept making comments about it. The other teachers didn't pick up, but see if you're already questioning, then you'd pick that up from her and go with it. So that's, that's kind of how you do it. You you can say like, Hmm, I wonder if that's true. Throw that in their face. Boom. That that hits hard. Just that, you know, it's just like, what do you do at the grocery store? You know, what do you do at your job? What do you do at any, it's the same kind of thing. You sense the the workplace sentiment and you just go with it if you want to get along period you do bring up an interesting thing that we wanted to go over before which is that you know i didn't get to ask you prescient how anonymous do you treat yourself uh, in this research and because you seem like you're okay with people calling you richard and you fully admit that you work for a kind of a media company and and so well, I mean, I, I'm not really scared of them, if you like, in terms of the uh, the psychopath that we uh, who is initiating all this media, and I'm past caring because I, I'm I'm almost at this point where it's kind of like um, I really would like to activate somehow. I mean, I noticed that you've talked about a- a- activating on the forum. Uh, 
few times, Hoy. I think you wrote some letters and things like that. Um, yeah, I've tried. I'm curious. Yeah, I, I don't. I, you know, I, I'm. I'm not sure that's quite the way to go. Uh, I, I, for me, Neither am I, I, to be honest. If we're talking about it's a prison. If, if we're not going to be able to write to the governors, are we? To, to you know, to we have to identify who the owners of the prison are. We have to find out who these people are. It's not we. We don't know who they are at the minute. We, we're just given this, this stupid media figure. It, it's not them. I mean, okay, there are certain identified liars within within the within the media. Of course, the the famous Disney guy. What's his name? The news anchors, yeah. for example. But yeah, yeah. but the everyday people, obviously, we all have friends and family who know something about the media, and they might not even know what the heck is going on. As you say, it's very compartmentalized. Oh, I, yeah, I don't doubt. I mean, there's, you know, there's, uh, they're just paying their paid to to read a script aren't they quite often but for myself personally I, i'm getting a little little bit tired of sort of living in disneyland you know yeah. if it's it's just this thing and I, I don't think i think it's this is the what you call it the differentiation the the the, the is increasing so the rate of this is is really uh, i think increasing i mean i was talking to my dad the other day he's kind of he's he's late 80s and he gets these things he's doing pretty well with with things thanks to you and Kay and a few others uh doing the chronicle but oh that's kind it, that's it's, wonderful i'm really glad that we're reaching out to yeah, you know yeah you. Because nice. he 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 doesn't Thanks. he doesn't understand the internet, so he, he's got nothing. He, he has no clue about forums or things like this. But he can do his emails. So if I send him a link for the Clues Chronicle, he can play that. He can play that, and he and he gets it. But it, but it's like I spoke to him, and I, I said to him that well, you know, I think in my I, I don't think in his lifetime, but in, I think in my lifetime they'll do another thing like they've done with nine eleven. They'll do something else. So that if religion gets too strong again, where they 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 find dinosaurs, right? I, I think the next thing that they're going to do is probably you know space uh, alien or some other stupid shit. This is this but, is the state of affairs. It you mm-hmm. know, and it feels like that. But I think all this every media event is a campaign. Think of it like a campaign, like a pregnancy, right? It has a lifetime, then it's over. I grew up in the 70s. Oh, my God. The guerrilla campaign in South America. We were terrorized with that growing up. Where's all the guerrillas in South America shooting up everything? We don't even talk about that anymore. But that was on the news, I remember, every damn night for like five years. The South American guerrillas got into the blah, murdered the (laughs) Where's guerrillas now? Well, that's because we were fucking around with the South America in the 70s. I mean... We were, it was probably because we had some sort of other thing going on that we needed the gorillas to distract us from. There you go, right? Oh, it's I a mean, campaign. It, uh, there you go, right? It, 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 in the UK, it was all about, uh, when I grew up in the 80s, it was all about imminent threat of nuclear war. It was all over the um, the media. There was a, a showed mushroom clouds more often than we saw the Twin Towers uh, events. You know, it was ridiculous. I remember being out with friends when I was 15, 16, and we were discussing it, and we were pretty convinced that we were going to buy it soon, that it would be a full-on nuclear war, because that was all 
that was in the music, the media, that was it. So I, I would imagine 15, 16-year-olds at the minute uh, are, are probably worried about terrorism. Yeah, when did all that stop? Do you remember? I think it stopped when supposedly the Cold War stopped. Mm, yeah. It almost coincides perfectly with the new Russia. They they seem to be trying to keep it alive through, you know, movies and things like 24. And there's always some extremist that can get his hands on a nuclear. But to me, that doesn't resonate the way that these superpowers were glaring at each other with their fingers on the button did when I was younger. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it was. Um, we we really were convinced about it as a kid. Quite a few of us, and it was it was in popular music as well. There was a band, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, that actually recorded the sample of a famous guy who actually did the four minute warning. This is the voice, the last voice you will ever hear. You can probably look it up. And Sting, of course, had his Russians uh, song. I listened to that a lot, and kind of always expected to see this glow on the horizon. Like, oh, they've done it now. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, absolutely terrifying just to try to imagine that level of destruction and also just to try to imagine how many accidents that there supposedly have been with the storage and transportation of these uh, so-called devices. Excuse me, everyone. I'm going to have to leave for a little bit. I have a date with my husband, but then I'll be back at the end of the audio and we'll catch up. Sorry, we had to just have her, like, vanish, but she said she had to go. So, yeah. You know, I wanted to speak to, well, basically everybody in the, the topping and the thing Hoy said about 9-11 and the, the different reports. And I guess we can probably make some assumptions about the Titanic. I haven't looked into it that heavily in any event. And it's about how people assimilate into their epistemology, if you will. Any of these events, most of the time when I talk to people, and, and it's just due to the fact that I've, I've gotten into researching these things, and if you research the original source material, you find all these things about the different things, missiles and planes and conflicting information and all the different little oddball pieces of the story that are out there that most people aren't really familiar with. It's like they throw a, a vase on the floor or something, and it shatters, and it creates this sort of collage, and then they, they glue it back together, and, uh, and it becomes this thing, eventually, that merges all the stuff that people take away in their minds mind of the okay this is this is the thing that happened but they really don't know all the bits and pieces and i'm curious like how how they absorb it how they assimilate it do you guys have any opinions about that yes and i think it relates and ties right back to titanic again because there is a an existing theory that James Cameron, who made the Titanic movie, actually designed his movie called Titanic with specific emotional points meant to like shatter you emotionally and then reconstruct a reality from your like basically kind of emotional trauma. Um, I think that is how they operate and he's trained in that. Besides the whole idea that there's this point that the guy who received the SOS of the Titanic is named David Sarnoff, and after that, that mm -hmm. David Sarnoff became the president of RCA, the inventor of television, 
Oh, it's with, the David Sarnoff. It's not yeah. a coincidence. Oh, no. Worked with NSA. I mean, you can check for yourself, but the guy who received the SOS, the Titanic, supposedly. So besides those, there's this fascinating idea that James Cameron is very much in the know. And it ties to our other story about 9-11 because he had an alibi related to his interest in the Titanic and seafaring adventures on 9-11. Kind of like David Sarnoff received the SOS of the Titanic, James Cameron, while at sea, received news that 9-11 had occurred and then immediately got some Russian letter saying, we are sorry and we're in this together with you. All in all, you end up with this kind of culture. And I think that he's trained in that in that culture of how to emotionally manipulate. And it makes me suspect that because he's connected to the Titanic, because he has a 9-11 story, because he's really fascinated with the clear bombing of Japan, which is another thing that we've looked at as being maybe entirely false, that he's one of these people. He's one of the myth makers. What would Prescient call him? In a prison, they're the, uh, the wardens. <laughs> Speaking of the nukes, and this is a little bit OT, but did you happen to come across that article in the Daily Bell that was questioning all the nuke stories that had all the anomalies of, of the whole account of Japan and everything that had happened? And, no, where's that? And that, was, that was published on the anniversary, which was in early August, I guess. And, you know, Daily Bell is kind of, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit friend, but it's, it's fairly mainstream. It's not a college newspaper. It's, it's kind of like Investor's Daily or something, a moderate, I guess you might say, but I found that very interesting. And did they, do you think they gave it a fair shake anyway? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, beyond a doubt. They brought up a lot of pertinent questions that I hadn't heard before, and it was, and it was sourced yeah, it was a good article. I, that I, sounds may great. Have, may have mentioned veterans today. I'll, I'll see if I can find it and I'll put it in the chat. Let's see. There's a few more things we could take from the Titanic thread. There is a post on the second page which shows two strange photos uh, from a French user, Jules Latravel, and they want us to look at these pictures and judge them. And I, in my estimation, they do look fake, photo manipulated of what are supposed to be the construction of the Titanic and the Olympic? I'm going to put your eyes on that. And yeah, I think I'm looking at the photos you're, you're talking about. I was looking at the, the one underneath. And even if they're hand-drawn or whatever, I mean, it, it, so they're, they're manipulated and it's a manipulated photo. But does it tell us that the Titanic was never built? To me, what it says is, yes, it's possible the image of the ship was duplicated or it's possible we don't have good photo documentation of this thing. It's not the same as 9-11 where we've <laughs> demonstrated that every single image and video is false, but we haven't actually looked at this very carefully, I think. Yes, you can look at this, you can question this, and ask yourself if you think that a legitimate ship would need photo manipulation like this, or if the news that we see in the newspaper is just so used to that basic standard of manipulating every single photo that it doesn't matter to them whether it looks photoshopped or not, because that's that's the whole point. It all has to look kind of vetted and attention-getting for whatever reason. And this is another question that I've had recently that I've been kind of asking myself. It's part of that collective history that we have about what we'll say. Not, the media covers a lot of different things, but for simplicity's sake, let's say the news and the expectation or the acceptance that what they're delivering is sort of an objective report on factual happenings. And people have this idea that when they're presented with news, that it's based in fact. And But 
I'm asking myself, where does this idea come from? It's just like air in the sun. It's just there. Why is it supposed to be accepted as true? What's the credibility of these people? I don't, I don't know them. I've never met them for the most part. I know a couple of people in the news industry that do some local stuff, but why is this just beyond questioning whether hmm. the stuff that's being presented has truth value? At, at a very early age. So it, it, it's almost like a, a teacher-child relationship, isn't it? We, we have to accept what the teacher's saying a lot of the time. Maybe, I don't know, maybe your culture is a little bit different with that. We question things, but generally here, we, uh, during my school time, we, we had to accept things. We were bored of us being young and not that interested, but generally we had to accept things. And I think that my overall impression is that a lot of people, they don't care about the news because they think it doesn't affect them. Hmm. Maybe the difference between European CNN and American CNN, just as an example, would be that American CNN always has to be a little bit more snarky. They have to appear as if they're on your side because they're slightly sarcastic or supercilious or they give you a funny look when they're interviewing somebody. Whereas the uh, European version, uh, and I don't know about the UK BBC or anything, um, but it seems like a bit more like it takes itself more seriously and that's more credible. Whereas in America, what's more credible to people is that, oh, this person doesn't take themselves too seriously and at the same time, it's just two different versions of the same mission, which is I'm gaining your credibility by being a serious celebrity, you know, that you pay attention to. And I'm like a pretty face, you know, that kind of thing. When does the news stop becoming the news and become history? 9-11 mm. was already being written in the new history books in Texas pretty quick after 2001. So I guess it's at that point. And right, right off the bat, you've got your fourth graders and your third graders getting these history books in civil studies or whatever the heck courses they have for current events, social studies, whatever. And there it is. It's at that moment. It's at that teachable moment. And and for adults, it would be, as Per Science says, the, the, the teachers are the television. Okay, I don't have time to go to a library and study anymore. I'm working too hard. So I turn on the TV and that's where I get all my information. And these days, that's just redistributed in a variety of ways through fake Facebook profiles and supposedly legit news stations except as the website version. You're pretty much psyops from a very early age, aren't you? Though? Like, this is the problem. Your first psyop is probably money. Even if you're from a very religious background, you're not going to understand it. The first thing I think that you get as a kid and the first thing where you are lied to is money. So you know that if you can get these two coins, you're going to buy this toy or, or whatever that you don't understand it but you get it yeah you, you inherit it from the culture yeah just to bring it back to 9-11 and celebrity and things like that is who's promoting the titanic thing we have james cameron who you know was shooting this titanic thing in august and september 2001 with actors actor bill paxton from the movie titanic is sitting in a submersible and commenting on the exploration and saying i can't believe i'm inside the titanic i i can't get over it i can't believe we're actually here i keep waiting for someone to yell cut and i'm gonna go back to my trailer it's just jokey and silly and very celebrating the the celebrity worship and it is just the perfect alibi too for cameron if he was involved in 
and directing some part of 9-11. But, you know, we're looking at this Disney, NASA, Studios-style floating underwater bit of the Titanic, and that looks much better than their shitty CGI. But their shitty CGI is deliberately shitty, whereas their special effects stuff for the Titanic if it is special effects and not indeed a sunken ship, which I have I have my doubts that it, that there is really a wreckage there, then the first thing you would have is, oh, there's this bad CGI. Okay, so that stuff where we're seeing underwater, that must be real. And it, it is all very much tied to the same old stuff, which is celebrity, Hollywood, the culture creation that we download and we um, inherit from our culture. If you look at the how much money the, the film made, that wasn't that the biggest selling film of all time or something? Thing. Yes, the one by James Cameron. It's it was enormous. Yeah, it, 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 and it was it was so long and so terrible. I mean, it was just <laughs> you know, I, I like a lot of probably a lot of guys had to go with their girlfriend at the time, and uh, you know, it was just was never ending. <laughs> it <was> just <laughs> went on and on and on. It was it was incredible. So, but. Uh, you know, there's there's a huge amount of money to be made there, isn't there? This is how they make their money, isn't it? Yes, I think so. And the rest of it is commercials. I see it like that. You know, it's kind of like Kay said. It's kind of like a campaign. If if you're not buying something of theirs, the rest of the period of time that we are interacting interacting with these people through the media or whatever. It's a commercial for their next product. So reminding us that we bought that Titanic movie, we really liked it, we cried, it had that memorable, horrible song, and things like that. I, I was definitely crying at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> it. It's a super emotionally impactful, manipulative science well, that I'm they've gonna got I'm going to add something here from real world, and I don't, I've never vetted this, so caveat, but I, I work with a gentleman who tells me he has a friend that met his demise going down to the Andrea, Andrea Doria for the second time in a day when it was strongly recommended that he didn't do that. He was a, a diver, that a videographer that filmed stuff, so I could, it might be able to check this out. And I don't really doubt the story, just on the face value, this gentleman has credibility with me. I have no reason to distrust him. So the point being, if there is the Andrea Doria down there, probably wouldn't take too much to find out. That is an example where, okay, there's a ship down there that people can go to and they can see. And so why why wouldn't the Titanic be down there? And Andrea Doria is down there. So hmm. there you go. That's an interesting point. There's something about the survivors of the Titanic, and I think that ties a bit with 9-11 too, because we the have... The old lady with the jewel. Yes, <laughs> Mrs. A.F. Caldwell. There's this book, which Nonokopito posts on April 14th. He says, I recently browsed through Women of the Titanic Disaster by Sylvia Caldwell, alleged Titanic survivor from Lifeboat 13. So then we have the 13 again. Yeah, I have that. It is a brief, extremely rhetorical account that contains excerpts such as this one. Quote, I call that heroism. Yes, greater than that of the wife dying with her husband. She saved herself and was willing to live and suffer for the sake of her child. How much easier it would have been to have died in his arms. She said, I cannot think of life without him, but if he could speak, I know he would be pleased to know I stayed with Marjorie. I was proud to welcome such a heroine to my country. This bereaved woman would go about comforting others and often come back saying, How much I have to be thankful for. I feel it when I see so many, worse off than I. In her great trouble, she still could think of others. Her attitude was Christ-like, unquote. And all of a sudden, it occurred to me, says Nono Capito, that the rhetoric of the Titanic, besides the symbolism analyzed in this thread, 
you know, the rising of the American empire, replacing other empires, paralleled in new Greek gods guided by Zeus that vanquished the Titans. It's also the rhetoric of the immigration to America. The same rhetoric epitomized in the famous lines stamped on the so-called Statue of Liberty, aka Masonic statue in homage to him, the light bearer. Mind you, I have nothing against immigration. Each of us comes from a line of migrants. To migrate is a part of being human. However, there is such a thing as a natural process of migration, and there is forced migration to favor necessities of industries and governments that has very little naturalness about it. In this sense, we are brainwashed to believe, day after day, that immigration is a free choice of man that has positive effects on society and must be respected. After all, we're told that second-generation immigrants can become presidents of the USA. Or I guess in case of Obama, um, you know, just immigrants. But, but of course, things are a little more complicated than that. On one hand, people are reluctant to emigrate. They do it unwillingly. They always feel nostalgic and unwelcome. And they often resent their ungrateful, privileged host. On the other hand, the welcoming nation is often wary of the immigrant, and soon it's dramatically impoverished by it because immigration means, above all, lowering the value of labor. So anyway, he goes on about this, and I think it's just an interesting point that the Titanic reminds people of all the waves of immigrants that were coming in before and after that time, and it has that feeling like, America, go America, you know? I'm migrating to this country and pulling myself up by my own bootstraps and escaping that scary, dangerous Atlantic Ocean, <laughs> kind of. So there's other strange psychology at work. And, and maybe that's something that would just happen in any kind of news story around that time. And yet, to me, it has that sense that if it is fake, they thought about this. I mean, if they're going to roll out a campaign, it's, it's going to have a, a platform, right? Yeah, and multiple stories. If these rich people have multiple agendas, I mean, they're not all the same. You know, some of them are probably movie makers. Some of them are diplomats or anything, anything that's part of that same culture. They're all going to insert their own little take on it, anything that supports their grand circle. Well, the immigration thing is interesting. And I think it's like a, a wave that recedes and, and returns or something because it's it's a big deal right now, I guess, in, in Europe, in the US. I think there is a consequence of kind of this destruction of the, the family unit and all the other things, the ecology, the global warming, whatever, the environmentalism, you might say, and overpopulation and all of the things that have probably contributed to a, a stable or perhaps a negative birth rate. Immigration is really the only solution to uh, replenishing the labor force, right? So they've got to, got to be able to, to sell that somehow. Well, and it also fulfills, and you know, this is a very, very touchy subject for some people, especially probably liberals or people coming from leftist values saying everything should be free for everyone, that colonist mentality to it, that it seems as though, well, when people are blaming Zionists or Jesuits or just Jews for having influence on a society and being able to say, we're going to impose on you multiculturalism and things like that, this whole concept comes up again, where societies are forced to interact with other societies, which in and of itself isn't bad, except for the political motivation is to, for example, weaken some aspect of that society or transition it to a globalist society which is forced to use the globalist banking system um, or is then forced to use some other aspect of the globalist culture. I think that's a, th a thing that I bring up from time to time with people. And everything is forced. Everything is in, in, imposed on us in one way or another, at least from where I sit. I, I mean, I don't have any say 
in what they're doing. I can go vote if I wanted to or something, but it's kind of, to me, it's ludicrous to think that my one act of pulling the lever is going to affect this myriad of uh, policies and the groups and think tanks and all the different things that are being put into place in so many different ways. It's obviously way beyond any any control that I have over it. The implication is almost you're not going to have an effect unless your vote is in a gang, you know, that you've organized and you've lobbied and, and and you're almost expected to have tons and tons of money to do that. So there is that strange element to one vote equals one real choice. It's not quite that way. I think we can surmise that the perception management is, is very crucial to the people that are, are running the game. They may have some sense that the outright force, like the, the chattel slavery model, is not very productive and that that's been done and, and proved to be uh, not very effective by comparison to having people think that they're they're doing more for themselves than they are for the the people that control the situation. So yeah. they're they're yes. always sensitive to completely. making sure that that perception is in place. I would yes, yeah, completely agree with that. It, it is all about perception management and, and all about the uh, the illusion of democracy. Because I think that certainly in the UK we've seen with the past two the Scottish uh, independence vote that that was completely stolen. A lot of Scottish people really wanted to get out, get out of the UK, but I, I don't think they were going to let that happen. Certainly not when the US was involved and also very old power in London. Recently, we've had the, of course, the Brexit vote which is all 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 the time been about money and it's not been about you know in, in the media there's a full of full of this thing about immigration and all the rest of it they're not going to let us decide um an outcome that is worth billions and billions for them yeah i think my, that's it my, my understanding is that the brexit was actually about the city of london and it was to do with the eu so in other words new power if you like, trying to challenge old power. Uh, so the city of London, which is, you know, it's, it's been around for almost a thousand years now, maybe over a thousand years. And I think it was all down to the fact that the the banks, the EU wanted to regulate the city of London, but the corporation of London is, is not going to let that happen, no matter which way we voted. It's technically not a part of the UK, right? That's right. Exactly right. Like the Vatican and DC, I guess, are the... It's it's a very yeah. strange place because actually a friend of mine used to uh, live there. Uh, he actually boarded in the, uh, the the house next to St. Paul's. So when he was uh, studying to be a barrister there, he actually stayed there. And so I visited him quite, quite a few times and it, it's such a, a strange vibe there. The city of London, you are on camera all the time. It's a highly secure environment. They have their own police force. You're confirming for me a lot of things that I've heard, which is that the city of London is kind of its own sovereign entity that has very ancient roots, probably older than a, th than a thousand years, really. And yeah. what that makes come to my mind is masonry and Freemasonry being a strong force in London and particularly yes. the city of London and all the police force there are in that boys club. But then there's also this idea that 
Scottish Freemasonry has like a particular level to it in a larger scheme. And I was wondering if you have any comment on perhaps the same time that there is one large culture, um, there isn't one single conspiracy, but rather there is kind of a vying for power. And it is only the typical tools of power or the facts about how power is actually managed in this world, which causes them to appear to all be the same entity, even though they're actually kind of at least competing on a on a level that not the level that we're shown where it's like Russia versus America or whatever but on some level there's a kind of there is a competition do you have that sense yeah, or i think there are yeah that there, there probably are factions that there is something going on at the moment isn't there with this with with things like the brexit well, and, yeah. Why and, in the media would they would they constantly be making fun of Brexit and saying, "Oh, it's it's only nationalists," and they have to release this propaganda? Clear, clearly, public relations companies just releasing propaganda about this MP or whatever getting killed over Brexit or something. And why why would they be making it out as if it were a bad thing? Who would know exactly what the the long game is, if you like? For me, I, I just see it as, as new power, i.e. the EU challenging old power. It, mm. it, it's something, I, I don't think it's something we're privy to. I, I think that uh, my understanding was Cameron went uh, February last year to the EU and then obviously these negotiations that have, we're not privy to, that are not even talked about in the media, that it's not going to happen because if they know that the Corporation of London is, is it's the money cleaning, it's the money launderer of the world, isn't it? Most of the world's dirty money goes through there. For example, when we when I go on a holiday, we've got an apartment in Cyprus and in Cyprus you get a lot of the the rich russian who go there now they can actually kind of if they invest half a million euro in cyprus they can actually get a, get an eu passport so that <laughs> is quite, an, quite yeah seriously oh that's that's old in- russian technology oh russians mm-hmm. love to fake documents yeah but so i've actually I've, I've looked into the kind of the offshore racket that goes on the way i can work it out is this dirty money comes in from russia goes via Cyprus, it, they add some kind of detergent, if you like, some kind of, I don't know, some kind of cover, what was it called? It's called the money passport or something, where they can move money around or something like this. Mm. And and then it gets washed in London and then it gets returned. So I, I think there's far too much dirty, dirty money in, in, in the corporation, the city of London, for... But, but, but whose definition is, is the dirty, though? Sorry? Who decides what's dirty or not? This seems like point to one last point from the Titanic thread, which I think is funny. During the time that Cameron was not releasing any films for like 10 years, around the year 2001, and was probably being hired to work on 9-11, who knows? Just speculation. It's interesting that in this really hokey and staged looking video of Cameron bragging about his involvement with the Titanic while 9-11 is going on, the crew of his Titanic group claims to receive a letter from Russia, from the P.P. Shersheva Institute, in which a message can be read very clearly that they're very sorry about the attacks in Washington and New York and blah, blah, blah. And then they say, they have this curious translation, your mischief is ours as well. They don't say your tragedy. They don't say uh, your disaster. They say your mischief is ours as well. 
And I feel like that summarizes the relationship um, of these vying powers in a way. Oh, these little scamps. They're so mischievous. Right. That's how they consider themselves rather than, you know, murderers by proxy or whatever. I mean, they maybe they try not to think about that. Who knows? But it seems like that's the mentality of the mobsters. Like, oh, yeah, I'm just a villain. Ha <laughs> ha. You know, it's it's funny. I'm looking at Cameron's uh, resume, and he's this got all the, the Terminator stuff, which I didn't realize. You know, you're talking about these powers that be, and I don't know if you're familiar with any of the like uh, Marvel. The, the all the new ones are very yeah, very Disney, very um, very psyopy. You know, well, filled with nuclear bombs and yeah. A theme that I've noticed that seems to recur in a lot of these movies, and actually, um, I can, you can kind of see it in the Terminator too. It's it's the idea that there's big, super powerful forces that work and opposition that are going to fight it out from themselves and then in the meantime they might destroy huge swaths of the areas where the little people <laughs> are trying to get by that can't really do anything about any of these superpowers and what they're doing and they're fighting it out between themselves and one of them may be good one of them may be not sometimes it's a little gray but the the point that i kind of take away from that is that there's the powers that be or the forces on top that are fighting it out between themselves and we we don't really have any choice except to sort of try to stay out of the way and not get crushed by a falling building or something while they figure it out it just seems like kind of a subtle reinforcement of that idea that maybe works on a subconscious level and we're just sort of the the extras right it really hits right on point with something that i've been thinking about recently which is these stories that we're meant to buy that we're meant to pass around to each other about how, how we're supposed to believe the world works. It's a combination of our own tendencies or our own interests, and then they lean that or they push on it and they manipulate it. So it is largely manipulation. But there's this other aspect that I always wonder about, which is what actually draws us, draws us to keep coming back to those kinds of silly beliefs. And it's almost as if Maybe not even. They sense our our attraction to certain stories, and they use that. Like we might be attracted to the idea of oh, giant powers vying for control, <clears throat> and we want to be on the right side. It's almost maybe a carryover from the world wars, which are supposed to have traumatized and and um, changed you know how the world sees itself dramatically. Well, that, but, yeah, it's very similar to the war in the Cold War. You know, we kind of have to stand by and hope the superpowers don't get it in their heads to really follow through. Yeah, and, yeah. Or even the Brexit, for example, you know, the Scotland, any of the, they're going to go, they're going to stay, and we'll do our little, throw our little pittance of a vote into the thing and wait and see what happens. Yes, that's it. Always looking up beyond us. And, and actually, NASA has to do with that as well, because what is it that we're constantly trying to do when we're escaping Earth exactly? W where are we going? What are we trying to do? They keep saying there's going to be some great scientific advancement or that our destiny is to, you know, expand out there or something. But where does that come from? That seems like a variation of the same. It's it's the literal version of heaven. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna physically build a ladder to heaven, and it's rocket powered. Yeah, and everything will be better there because we just can't get it together here. It's a lost <laughs> cause. We've got to get out of here and go to some other planet, start all over. In a way, it is almost like telling us to give up it, in a very, very, very subtle psychological way. Well, but it, it, the heaven metaphor, and I've, I'm only thinking of this now, but it's kind of like, hey, if you, you give us more money, if you bear with us for a while, I know we've been at it for a long time, but we're getting closer and just, <laughs> yes, you know, maybe not in right. your lifetime, but your kids. So it's kind of got that eternity thing and not in this life. Don't worry about what's happening here, but oh my we'll get goodness. to the stars and it'll all be better. 
but they're Ooh. literally going to heaven. It's, it's yes, that's funny. very eerie, isn't it? It's also the <laughs> promise of the hereafter in religions. Like, you know, don't worry about your, your happiness here. You know, we'll handle that. You know, we rule this place. So that's that's kind of the message. Isn't it a lot of this stuff kind of just bread and circuses? That the, yeah. This all sort of ed- ed- edges back to one of the greatest empires of all time was the Roman Empire, wasn't it? And I think that's what a lot of this stuff is based upon, isn't it? Those principles. It keep us slaves kind of busy with nonsense. <sighs> you may be right. Sorry. <laughs> no. It's depressing. I, 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 I'm, I'm listening back to myself tonight and I think, oh my God, you sound really depressed. But oh, no, I no, don't no, know how right. else... I, I, don't know how else to say it is this the reality or or, or what if we're going to escape this thing we've got to be aware of where we're at you said it then we have to actually acknowledge the problem and Kay, Kay said it yeah. too I think a lot you know most of these things are, are kind of control mechanisms aren't they perhaps in relation to 9-11 I mean 9-11 was, was also a show of power wasn't it it, it mm. was to show look at what we can do we can convince 95% of the world that planes crashing into buildings will bring the buildings down we can convince them we can perform this huge magic trick I think that show of power there's whatever this organization or organizations are these crime families that, that are running this stuff it showed to the rest of the family this is what we can do remind a reminder of who you work for you see what i mean it's almost like when the mob boss has to get his hands dirty sometimes and do a kind of brutal killing just to mm. show to the others at what a maniac he is right and they even do it in a safe way by by faking the deaths of their friends you know yeah we killed all these we killed all these bankers you know and like we'll just do anything it's like no those are your friends you guys you wouldn't kill them off but for most people that's it that's like they're so crazy they're so powerful and yeah i've got nothing else that seems like a good show to me It was very interesting. It was lovely to speak to you both, and I hope I haven't. I, no, I, I was going to say, Richard, I, if, if uh, just the good thing about living in an open air prison is, uh, is you can walk out. So that's, <laughs> that is an advantage. That's true. Well, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> it's a kind of a question that I'm struggling with. Actually, is the question is what actually what do I believe in? In my opinion, that's one we should be stuck with till we leave this place. I mean, obviously, I believe in my own little world, my life, my dog, my girlfriend, my job, you know, these things, uh, my friends. But outside of that, in other words, what can I actually believe in and trust? You see what I mean? Yeah. yeah I've gotten very sort of circumspect about using the word belief. I, I kind of prefer to know things or yes. just not, not know them. And I'm okay with not knowing the things I don't know and or question and then the things i know i feel confident that i actually know them what do i trust yeah it is that level now where it is like yeah what is immediately around me who do i immediately know and but it gets better over time in my opinion when you either fool yourself into thinking that you've got a good system or you really genuinely do and even that we don't know not to get too philosophical but i think it 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 really does over time get better looking at this for gosh it's been almost 10 years that I've been specifically looking at 9-11 and I feel like I've slowly, I've gotten to the point where I know who I want to talk to 
about this. But that changes too, I guess. As the years change, as attitudes change. But yeah, it's a good question. Well, cool. thanks. Okay, Jed, so it's lovely to uh, speak to you both. And, um, yeah, likewise. I'll, I'll catch you on the Clues Forum, no doubt. Okay, great. See you later. Thanks, Richard. Right, it was nice talking care. to you. And you, man. Bye. Bye. Nice talking to you. Bye. It's nice to, nice to speak with you. Nice to meet you. Talk to you later. And hopefully we'll have you back on sometime. <laughs> Fabulous. Ciao, hoy. Talk Ciao. to you soon. Talk to Bye. you soon. Bye. All right. One more song from Simon Shack. So, Kay, how was your how was your date? We missed you. Oh, thank you. It was wonderful. I saw the movie Resurrection. He kills people for a living and then regrets it. It's wonderful, heartwarming. I, w- I wish I would. Uh, I wish I could shrug my shoulders audibly, but that's. <laughs> I mean, no, I don't wish I could do that. That sounds horrific, horrific too. But 
Um, I would. I am doing that right now. I don't know that actor or anything. Well, you know, I also go because I get a chance to put my feet up in public. <laughs> Are you putting them on other audience members' heads, or is this, do people? So people go to the theater still? Yeah, yeah, there's a crowd of us that like to do that. It's kind, you know, it's it's a lot of couples. You know, it's like our night out kind of thing. Oh, that's that's really sweet, actually. And the theater has um, the chairs that lean back and lift your legs up. You press a button and, and the feet come up, so you holy, get a really just, holy. Yeah, it's comfy. So you can just pretty much download all the propaganda like straight to your subconscious. Oh, I never thought of that. <laughs> Sorry. I guess so. I guess so. Just ah. sit back, relax, and download it. Let it all in. And they tell you the funny thing now with movies. You are entering the, you know, extreme mega digital process movie, you know, whatever new technology. And you're going to have a good time, and you're going to have fun. You're like, okay. <laughs> yes, sir. Please, sir. So what did you think of the show? You left right when we were talking about, I think, James Cameron being a big part of probably the 9-11 production team and... I mean, I think the most valuable would be just comparing it to 9-11. You know, I was thinking about it. What What is the Titanic like? Uh, almost a 100-year-old hoax, if it's a hoax, and then, which seems like it probably is, compared with 9-11, which is 15 years old now, and which is definitely a hoax, as we've proven. So this stuff has been going on for a long time, I guess. Right, and there's questions about the victim list, just like 9-11. Oh, right. Yeah. And the sob stories associated, the very emotional, you know, pulls on your heartstrings kind of stuff. Although the 9-11 ones just don't work for me. They feel really, really uh, like rushed. Yeah, I guess, you know, especially for you after working on the Vixen report, right? Y yes. Yeah. Well, that's since the Vixen report has been out. And where do you think we're at? Are more people aware of at least the idea of a fake death? Now than before? I would agree, yes, because when I first found Clues Forum and Fakeologist, the idea of media fakery was like brand new, you know. And But now I think a lot of different websites and a lot of different hosts are talking about it. What do you think? Yeah, it's strange. It's kind of like lying it should be something that we're all aware is possible, and yet all of a sudden... It's almost like we woke up to the fact that, oh, yeah, this amazing technology, which could be used for lying, actually has been used to lie. And that is strangely jarring. It's almost as if the illusion that people are waking up from is uh, a religious-like faith in technology and that it can only be used for good and that everything, you know, every new technology is only good. And the science priesthood, which are, you know, the the people in the white lab coats are hard at work to just improve the lot of mankind at every step. That's totally true. But the people who believe that, I don't want to say they're mind controlled to believe that, but all their opinions are not their own. I mean, what do they know about technology except what they read on a screen you know what I'm saying? And what other people are telling them. And since the media doesn't cover, well, let's look into depth at how, you know, the lies of the Gulf of Tonkin incident actually occurred, you know, or let's look deeply into, you know, they don't go into that. So since the media isn't giving people clues on how they perpetually lie because they keep using the same tricks over and over, 
of course people are not going to catch on until there has been this quiet, reasonable voice in the background that we've been shoving to the side. And now I feel like we're we're part of it. Quiet, reasonable voice. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. That's clues for a quiet, reasonable voice. It's true. I mean, I think we're modeled by the disinformation people, like how we're supposed to act, you know, like get angry with each other and throw words and like you and even by the mainstream media. You know, those those are fighting words when there's they're like conspiracy theorists. It's already a fight by the time they they're not trying to have a conversation when they say that. Right. And I get the, the thing that really scares people, which I think is the thing that they're not familiar with is they almost want to get into a fight because they're familiar with that. That's been modeled to them. But what hasn't been modeled to them as much is when I ask people, help me, help us. Let's work together to keep it real. Let's undo this together and talk about this. Then people will literally bolt out of the room terrified. They just cannot. Whoa, like working together to undo like lies. Ah, like, I don't know. This is a lie. It's strange how people react when you bring it up in the wrong way. Have you experienced that yourself? Yes. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I, that's the experience I'm talking from. What was the subject matter? It's been a variety of things, but one of them actually good segue to next topic was about outer space things and NASA. People don't seem to be able to handle the idea that shuttle launches could be faked, even though it shows every sign of being a special effects kind of Hollywood production. Yeah, next week we'll be talking about the International Space Station. Well, that's exciting. I'm I'm ready because I was promised flying cars when I was in grade school. So you see, that was back then in the past. They promised the future would have flying cars. So <laughs> see, that's why I have to believe in the space station because the past told me that it would happen now. Right, and we, they're going to be handing out our jetpacks pretty soon. So jetpacks, I miss my. That really didn't. Oh, there's some good videos about real military tests with jet jetpacks <laughs> and how tenuous they are, yeah. and like a, a, a stiff breeze would send them off course. It's quite hysterical. But. It makes one wonder how much they would want to risk the lives of these really loyal servants of their military complex on launch pads that could just explode in huge flames and kill them instantly. It makes you kind of wonder if they wouldn't want to just fake it, you know? And have those loyal people on hand rather than killing them over and over. Like they did in Russia. <laughs> the Soviet Union killed a lot of cosmonauts. Mm, well, that's the story. But although Russia is known for killing a lot of its own people. Oh, dear. Yeah. Right. That's part of the whole space race thing. But the International Space Station. So um, are we f trying to figure out if it's up there is anything up there is nothing up there we're gonna do a teaser we've got some idea uh but oh, okay next episode next episode whenever that is, we'll right. talk about it yeah but well just back to 9-11 how far do you think we've come in awakening more people to the idea that these things are happening i recently did a on my talk show account i put up a, an audio of me and my brother discussing 9-11 so his views don't count because he's above probably most of the freight. But I have another brother who usually when we talk about 9-11, it's what he heard in the tavern kind mm. of thing. So I think I can use that maybe as a temperature guide. 
you know, to how people are changing their thinking. Yeah. And mostly it's it's more of a distrust of the government in general. So when now it's discussion of 9-11 comes up, they're like, yeah, something went down. What's going on? You know, before, maybe not so much with the wars going on. Maybe he felt he had to be more patriotic. Mm. So, I mean, is that because of our research? I don't know, but, you know, does it trickle down? Right, yeah, that's a good question. I feel like there was more questioning back in 2001, but I've been also kind of keeping a pulse on the on the young ones, college-age kids, maybe a little younger, and kind of pulling them about it. And there's a good amount that kind of understand that, yes, it's not all we're told, but I think the, the, uh, the perps are really targeting the younger kids and the next generation and that is where they ultimately overthrow any kind of resistance or drown out that quiet reasonable voice because you just have kids accepting that oh okay you know this is what it says in this book and oh i've heard some crazy conspiracy theories and that's it they just keep them running on certain little cycles they don't even have to go into it that much because at this point you know for them 9-11 happened before they were born or uh you know shortly after they were born so i think that they will continue to just mention the victims families they they don't really care about reminding people about the actual facts the more pervasive insidious thing is just well this victim family member is coming out to say they bought a puppy or they uh, they opened a flower shop like that. So it just keeps it in our consciousness. Oh, keeps us, yeah, keeps bringing it up to us old people who remember it <laughs> clearly. Mm-mm-mm. You know, I know there's a big Reddit community that looks into 9-11, but they're pretty controlled. My son was telling me about them and they do a pretty good job of if you start a good discussion to take you off track nothing hangs around but see and that's where uh, what if all the young people are in reddit and they're not going to go anywhere else well that's actually how it is isn't it i mean people don't venture very far from their smartphones these days and it's so Mm -hmm. if it's not an app you know clues form isn't an app (laughs) it's nice to hear that we've reached out to older generation who understands talk and radio and so we're really thankful that we have the the voice on iTunes and podcasts. You know, I think that's a really great blessing. We should be thankful for that. Yes. Oh, it is a very powerful medium. It's so powerful, in fact, I think they suppress it on purpose. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know that? Just if you go to Google.com, right, why isn't there an audio tab? Hmm. I'll be darned. Why yeah. is it? Yeah. You know how many people would dig on that? You know how many people would be just searching audios all day long if yeah, no, I think they are trying to take it over. I mean, I've seen like some podcast networks popping up that seem completely unnecessary to anyone at all familiar with podcasts who are just like, I just find the thing I like and I download it. Why do I need this network? But the networks are there to control the dialogue and mass and have this top down thing again. And again, you have oh. the, you know, you have the super popular one like Serial, which is supposedly the true story of some like wrongly accused serial killer or something. But it's so huge that it makes me suspicious. It makes me wonder why it's promoted, why it's so popular, how it got into the the most typical streams that people are plugged into, which is usually like Facebook, Reddit. Right. Did the popularity become was that first or second? We can't assume. Mm-mm. Right which way that goes anymore. Hey, we're we're out there too. 
<laughs> and for now, for the time being, audio is still a pretty good medium if you search it out. They infiltrated it, it pretty it, quick, though. It's like the best audios I ever found were because they were suggested in another audio. Hmm. If you like this show, maybe just pass it on. Yep, that's it. Pass it on, man. Grab it and pass it on. That's exactly it. That'd be great. And then maybe we could all, uh, shall we say it? Yes. Keep, keep it, it real, real together. together.